Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys are kind of awake this morning. Well, we're glad that you're here. My name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're excited that you're here for week two of this series called Chains. And uh, what this series is all about is that I know that every single one of us, we have some areas of our life that are holding us back, that are holding us hostage, that are keeping us from the things that God has for us. And, and what I'd like to say is that a lot of us, we're chained up and we're locked up by some things in life that are holding us back from the potential. And for 2017, I don't wanna see us locked up any longer. I don't wanna see us living in the what could be and what should be of our life because there are things that are holding us back that got us locked up and held down. But I want us to break through and live in the freedom that Christ has promised to us. And so that's what this series is all about. And uh, I'm excited over the, for the next couple of weeks. In fact, everybody say next week. Next week. Say it like you mean it, next week. Next Next week, we're going to be talking about how do we break free from the chains of the past and the hurts and the pains that go along with that. It's going to be an incredible, incredible weekend. I don't want you to miss that. It's a great weekend to invite your friends, family, and, uh, and, and I promise God will do something in your life. But today is going to probably be one of the most practical messages that you'll hear within this series. And... Um, Partly the reason it's so practical is because we're going to continue kind of going down the road that we started with last week, and we're going to continue talking a little bit about finances, and we're going to talk about the chains of debt. And the reason we're going to talk about debt is because I know that debt impacts every single one of us uh, Either it impacts us personally because we're in debt or it, it impacts us because we have a relative or we have a friend that's in debt and they're coming to us asking us for money all the time because we're not in debt. And so whether you're in debt or you're not in debt, debt impacts you in some form or fashion. And so I know that everybody has been impacted and affected by it. And so I thought kind of to level the playing field here today, I thought what I would do is I would tell you my dumb debt story. And I, I, I say this to you not to preach at you, but to encourage you not to live how I lived. Uh, I, I made some really, really dumb decisions. When I was 18, I, I went off to college. And uh, one of the things that I learned when I was in college is that when we, when I was walking through my dorm one day, I was going to check the mail in my mailbox in my dorm, and I opened up my mailbox, and inside there was a credit card offer. Now, back in the day when I went to school, you didn't have to apply for a credit card. They just sent you credit cards in the mail with your name and address and everything already on it. Does anybody older remember this when you used to just get credit? Like, you didn't have to do anything to get it. They just sent it to you. And I remember opening this up. I'm a college student. I don't have a job. I'm an athlete. I figured out that if I go give plasma a couple times a week, I can make a couple bucks. That's about the extent of my work experience. And so I, I opened up this credit card offer, and Visa has sent me a credit card with a $2,500 limit. And I thought to myself, there is no way in the world I am ever going to spend $2,500. In fact, I don't even want this credit card. But you know what? I'm just going to put this credit card in my wallet in case of an uh, so you guys have done the same thing too. Okay. We're all on the same page now. So I put it in my wallet in case of an emergency. Now what blows my mind is what constitutes as an emergency in America, doesn't it? It says, 
It's a mind-blowing thing. And, and for me, I was driving down the road one day uh, after getting out of class, and I was, I was going down the road. I had this 1990 Mustang convertible. My top was down, and I was, I was turning up my radio, and I was going pretty fast, and I, I cranked my radio all the way up, and, and I could not hear my radio. And I thought to myself, this is an emergency. Like there is a problem if there was like a, 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 a weather storm that was coming, I couldn't even hear it because I'm driving and my top's down, my radio isn't, isn't loud enough. And so I went to my local Circuit City. Y'all remember Circuit City? I rolled in there and I went to the, the, the music kind of department, car audio department, and I said, man, I, I need a new stereo system. They looked at my system. They're like, man, you need this tape deck head, or at the time it was a CD player. And they, they said, if we put these speakers in these side speakers, it'll make those, those mids and those highs really good. And I'm like, yeah, but what about low end? They're like, we'll give you two 15-inch kicker solo barracks as well. And I'm like, put all that junk in. And, and so like, while before I couldn't hear the radio, now not only could I hear the radio, but you could hear me three miles coming. I was like, boom, boom, boom. You know, I was like, I was basing out. It was awesome. And what was even better than that is when I got my credit card bill the following month after buying that, my minimum payment was 27 bucks. I thought to myself, this is awesome. I get to spend lots of money and I only have to pay a little bit. And so a couple months went along, and being a college student, I went over to one of my friend's houses, and uh, we were sitting there, and, and we started playing a video game station. We started playing a Nintendo 64. Now I'm dating myself. How many of y'all had a Nintendo 64? Come on now. Nintendo 64, and we're playing this, and I, I'm thinking to myself, man, I am a college student, and I do not have one of these. This is an emergency. And so I went down to my local mall, to my KB Toy Store. Anybody remember KB Toys? <laughs> went to KB Toys. I'm like, give me a Nintendo 64, $199. But the problem was I couldn't just buy the Nintendo system because it only came with one controller. You remember that? Like Nintendo had a racket going on, I'm telling you. Because you want to play with some friends, you had to buy a second controller. Then if you wanted to save your game, you had to buy memory, so I had to buy some memory. At this point, I don't even have a game. I got two controllers and some memory and a console, so I had to buy some games. By the time I walked out of KB Toys, 350 bones later, got myself a gaming system, man. That emergency was solved. Next month, my credit card payment, only minimum payment only went up to 38 bucks. I was like, <laughs> Why don't we have classes about this? We should just rack up credit card debt. And that's what I did. Got married to my wife and I continued this pattern. By the time 2001, the end of 2001 had hit, I had somewhere between seven to 10 credit cards that were completely maxed out. And I had about $25,000 in consumer credit card debt. That's not a house, that's not a car, that's just stuff that I didn't even know what it was or where it was. Now that's my dumb debt story. I'm sure we could take out a mic and walk around the room and every single one of us could tell us your dumb debt story. But this is what I know about debt. Debt puts you and I in chains. And not only does it put us in chains, it robs us of our joy, robs us of our hope. 
And I know some people are thinking right now, like, why in the world are you talking about this in church? We need to be talking about, like, spiritual things. We need to talk about, like, prayer. We need to talk about faith. And I'm a card-carrying, praying, faith-filled man. But let me tell you something. The Bible talks about 468 scriptures on the topic of faith. It has about 500 scriptures on prayer. But let me tell you something. The Bible talks about money and finances over 2,300 times. So there is a reason that the Bible talks so much about money. And the reason is, is because money is a very spiritual issue you want to get spiritual let's talk about your financial aspect and here's the thing about our finances every single one of us thought about them this week and this is what I know Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you can be bound up in financial debt he came to set us free and if we will follow his ways we can live in his freedom but here's what I know about debt Debt will cause you to get up tomorrow morning and go to a job that you hate because you got to pay for things that you spent the money you're going to earn today on three years prior. Debt will cause you to set your children up for failure because you've lived above your means trying to keep up with the Joneses who you don't even like that live down the street and you're up to your eyeballs in debt and so when they go to school, you say, hey, go get some student loans so they're set up to fail too. Debt will ruin your marriage. Listen, divorce and bankruptcy, those jokers are best friends. And I'm just gonna take a wild guess that there is not a married couple that is out here today that hasn't had an argument when it comes to finances. Debt will steal your hope, rob you of joy. It'll decimate your peace. And it will keep you from the abundant life that Jesus has promised all of us that we could have. And listen, when debt comes into your life, it doesn't just rob you, it locks you up. It puts you in chains. You don't control it, it starts controlling you. And if you're here today, you don't have to do anything that we talk about here today, but this is what I know will happen in your life. You will be controlled by your debt. And you will live chained for the rest of your life. So I just wanna walk you through what a lot of us do, and I wanna use a little bit of reverse psychology on you. And so I wanna give you the four steps today to remain in financial bondage. So if you wanna know how to be in chains for the rest of your life, all you gotta do is do these four steps. You know, your parents ever encourage you to do something they don't want you to do, knowing that you'll do the opposite thing? That's what I'm gonna do today. If you wanna be in chains, here's all you have to do. It's pretty, pretty simple. Four things, number one, refuse to put God first. Whatever you do, do not put God first in your life, especially when it comes to your finances. We talked about this a little bit last week, uh, but this is what I know is every morning I wake up and the, there's two things that I do. I get a cup of coffee and I get my iPad and I go to my Version Bible app and I do some Bible reading every single morning. And uh, I, I've just learned that all I need is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus and my life is a whole lot better. And one day, a couple months ago, I was reading a passage of scripture that just like punched me in the throat. And it comes out of Colossians chapter one, and it says this. It says he, it's referring to Jesus, it says, is before all 
things. And this right here, my friends, is where we all have got to get to. We have got to get to this place where Jesus is before everything in our life, where he is in first place in our life. Because this is what I know about my life. Everything that is good in my life comes from Jesus. The reason I was able to wake up and have a bed and have some air conditioning this morning is because Jesus loves me. The reason I was able to take a hot shower this morning is because Jesus loves me. The reason I was able to set out like seven different options for outfits this morning with different shoe choices and everything like a lot of you ladies did is because Jesus loves me. And I might be a little metro, okay, so... But every good thing that I have and every good thing that you have is from Jesus. And the person that thinks that they're a self-made man or a self-made woman is extremely poor. Because nothing you have has not passed through the hands of Jesus. It's so funny to me that it's, we're so quick to blame God for our problems, but we're so How can I say this? We're not very quick to ever thank him for all the good things he does. Because this is what I know. Man, we just sang some incredible songs here and a whole bunch of people just sat there like this. Uh, I'm not breathing. I don't have a free cup of coffee and donuts in my hand right now. I'm not sitting in air conditioning. It's not 900 degrees in here. I'm clothes on. Like we forget about how God, awesome God is get to thank him about those things it says he is before all things and in him all things hold together you just gotta see that you know what that means right there is it means that if something is falling apart in your life it means that it's not in his hands if your life is falling apart right now it means that your life is not in jesus's hands if your marriage is falling apart right now, that means that one of the two people's lives right now is not in Jesus' hands. And so if, there is, if you're in a rut in your finances and you're up to your eyeballs in debt and you're over your head, this is what I know is that Jesus did not lead you to that place. But he will lead you out if you'll let him. If you put him first in your life, he will lead you out. And you say, well, how do we do that? Well, you put him first by, by financially giving him the first 10%. We talked about this last week. I don't want to beat a dead horns, but you bring the first 10% to God and you trust him that he will bless the rest. And so I don't want to beat that horse. If you need to hear that message, go back online, listen to it. It, it will bless your heart. But what I do want to talk to you today about is two types of people. And all of us fall within these two types of people. There's person, the first person is the person right here is person, we'll just call them person A. And person A wants to get to B in life. And, and they think in order to get from A to B in life, that they have got to spend 100% of their resources to get them from A to B. Now, there's a second person in life that also wants to go from A to B, and uh, except the difference is, is this person believes that if they trust God, God can do immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine, and what little bit they give to God, God can bless them and take them to places they can never go. And the interesting thing about that is that I've learned that there are people that don't trust God that spend 100% of their finances, and some of them go from A to B. Then there's people that, that are at A that are trusting God with the first 10% of their finances and God does not take them to B. 
What God does is he goes, no, we're not going to B. He says, instead, we're going to C. And C is way better than B could have ever been. But we didn't even know that. Now, here's what I've learned about both of these people. Is that both of these people think the other one is an idiot. They do. The person at the top is, is spending 100% of their income. They're going, man, you've got to be the biggest idiot to think to give God 10% of your income. What kind of idiot would do that? And the person on the bottom that trusts God is looking up at the person at the top and he's saying, man, what kind of idiot are you to not think that if you give God a little bit that he is not able to bless you beyond what you could ever produce yourself? And the question all of us have got to answer is, is which of these two idiots do we want to be? <laughs> We're going to be one of the two. So which one? And so whatever you do, refuse to put God first in your life. Number two, if you want to stay in debt, refuse to be content. If you want to be in chains, you have got to refuse to be content. Now, back in 2001, I had a big screen TV and bought this 55-inch TV. It was awesome. I love this TV. This is back in the day when the big screens were still like big. They were like huge boxes. And it was one of the first HD TVs. I was pumped about it. And, and like I, I thought I, like God had blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. Like I was the man because I had this TV. And so we'd have friends over and hang out and have all these parties. Well, one day, another friend invited us over to his house to watch some movies with some other friends. And, and so we rolled over to his house. He lived in this area of Bradenton called Lakewood Ranch. And we walked in, and I saw his living room. And in his living room was like a 25 or 27-inch TV. And I thought to myself, like, why in the world are we at this guy's house? I got a 55-inch TV back at home. I'm a baller. You know, like, like we should be at my house watching TV. And so I sat down on his couch. He goes, oh, TJ, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go upstairs. And so we walk upstairs, and he grabs this big, huge honking remote. And guys, you know it's all about the remote, don't you? Man, he's got this remote, and he hits a button. He's like, boop. And all of a sudden, the shades come down over the windows of this room. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then he hits another button. All of a sudden, this 120-inch screen drops from the ceiling. Projector comes on, and we're like full-on movie theater at this dude's house. And I'm like, man, my 55-inch TV sucks. God, you've cursed me with this small TV. You know, I'm like, why? Came discontent. Ladies, you, you, it's happened to you. You have an incredible chef's kitchen. You go over to some other lady's house and you see their kitchen. They got a bigger island than you. And you're like, man, my kitchen is horrible. I need to remodel. Happened to me. Like, we just remodeled our kitchen. It's amazing. Saw somebody else's kitchen. They have a gas range at their house. I got an electric range. I'm like, man, babe, we need to get a gas range. We don't even have gas in our house. Except for what Shayla produces, but we'll keep that for her. She's not here, so I can say whatever I want. And if y'all tell her you're in trouble, don't be selling me out. I know some of y'all are already on Facebook. Oh, did you hear what he said? Stop it. Gossip to yourself, okay? Hate my kitchen. Hate my TV. Hate my car. My friend just got a new car. 
I sat in it, and I was like, man, my car's terrible. I went home, sprayed a new car, smelling it, and it didn't work. <laughs> how many of y'all, just, just show of hands, how many of you all have had a perfectly good working phone, but you've had to go out and buy a new one? Because a new one came out. Why? Because you're discontent. I'm raising everything because I like new stuff. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Lock me up. This is what I know. When Jesus and all that he has blessed us with is not enough, it leads us to all kinds of trouble. This is what the Bible tells us, and it warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, yet true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. And listen, we live in a world that says, man, if you just had this car or you just lived in this neighborhood or if you just wore those clothes, then, then, then you would be content. And the Bible says, no, 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 that's not how it works. It says godliness with contentment is great wealth. And then it says this, it says, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now watch this, it goes, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now, now there's not many of us that are like signing up for the ruin and destruction class. Like, hey, how do I get on that train? Like, I'm all about some ruin and destruction in my life. None of us wants that, but it continues on. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, people in the church misquote this scripture all the time. They, they say, oh, money's evil. Money is not evil. Money can do some amazing things. Money can feed a hungry person. Money can put shelter over somebody that's homeless. Money can help educate somebody. Money isn't bad. And this is what I've learned in my life. Money is a great servant, but it is a horrible master. See, this person right here, money is their master. They serve money. I got to get it all. I got to get it all. I got to get it all. This person, money is a servant. Question is, is which idiot do you want to be? And he continues on and it says, and some people craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Listen, when we refuse to be grateful and content in life, it sets us up for this next step, which is so easy for us to drift into, which is spend all that you have and borrow some more. You want, to stay, you want to stay locked up in chains? Spend all that you have and then borrow some more. Proverbs 21, 20 tells us this. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. It says wise people, man, they, they have wealth and luxury because they've learned some principles that they've applied to their life. And then there's some people that are foolish. And I was the king of the foolish people. I, I did not make wise decisions. And what I found is, is when you start making dumb debt decisions, you fall into a trap where you just go on overload from them. In fact, I'll share you with you some of my really, really bad, dumb debt decisions. 
In, in 2000, Shayla and I got married. We, we had perfectly good cars, but we were getting ready to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had no debt whatsoever. I'd gotten myself out of some credit card debt, going into the marriage clean, and I decided, you know what? Man, we're going to Tulsa. It might snow there. It might rain there. There's crazy weather in the Midwest. We better get a car with all-wheel drive. And so I went down to the local car dealership. I found a car that had all-wheel drive. I was like, sign me up. That car cost me $12,000. It's 2000. This is quite a few years ago. Pretty expensive used car at the time. I was like, man, 12 grand. Uh, and, and as I'm signing the paperwork to finance it, they said, hey, we're going to charge you 10% interest. But I don't really care about the 10% interest. What I cared about was my minimum monthly payment, which was $222 per month. I was like, man, I can afford $222 per month. But being the genius that I was, I financed a used car for six years. Some of y'all are like, he really is dumb. And at the end of that six years, you know what I paid for that $12,000 car? I ended up paying over $16,000 for that car. Now, here's the deal. If they would have told me on the front end, hey, this car is going to cost you sixteen grand, I would have been like, what idiot is going to buy this? That is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. But when you get into debt and you start spending all that you have, you will leverage your lifestyle and borrow more to stay there. That wasn't the only thing I did because I majored in stupidity. Because I was telling you about that TV. Well, how that TV came about, we're, we're, we're moved back to Bradenton from college and uh, we had this 27-inch tube TV that weighed about 350 pounds. You guys remember those? They're like out in the ocean now as paperweights and see things. Uh, and, and, so, and so I was like, man, we're having a Super Bowl party. And I was like, man, we gotta get a bigger TV. I went down to my local Sears and I had some friends that were working there. I was like, man, I need a bigger TV. And they're like, TJ, we got a deal for you. We have this TV that's normally $3,000, but we're gonna hook you up for $1,700. If you open up a Sears charge account, we'll give it to you for $1,700. I'm like, sign me up, Scotty. $1,700 for a, a $3,000 TV, that's a sale. I, my wife gives me that line all the time. I'll take it. And they go, oh, by the way, that Sears, you know, because they're so generous to you, they're going to charge you 24.3% interest. But I didn't care about that because they said, here's the good news. The minimum payment is only going to be $68 a month. I'm like, done. Sign me up. I got this. 68 bucks? That's cheap. Now, here's the deal. If I would have just paid the minimum payment of $68, it would have taken me 9.25 years to pay off that $1,700. And that $1,700 would have turned into over $7,500. That's an expensive TV right there. Some of y'all are like, you were crazy. Now let's make it a little bit more real. Because right now, the average person that has debt in America has about $16,000 of consumer credit card debt. That's Visa, that's MasterCard, that's Rooms to Go that has already gone. And let's just say at a real conservative interest rate of, say, 16%, that's 
some, some of your consumer debt is going to be a little bit higher, some is going to be a little bit lower, but 16% is actually pretty, pretty low for consumer debt. If that was like set up properly, like it was one thing, your minimum payment for that $16,000 of debt would be about $220 per month. You're like, oh, 220 bucks, that's not very much money. But do you know how long it would take you to pay off that $16,000 debt of just paying the minimum payments every single month? It would take you 22 years. And that $16,000 would be the bargain basement price at the end of the day of $58,000. $76. Now you know why God has a lot to say about your finances. Because a lot of us are locked up in junk like this. And God's saying, man, we've got to get you out of these chains because I don't want this for my kids. Number four, you wanna stay in financial chains? You and I have got to ignore reality. You just gotta ignore reality completely. This happened to me. Shayla and I first moved here, I weighed about 205, 210 pounds. And, uh, about six months into the church, I, I jumped up to man, I'm 225, 230. Just comfort weight, you know, let's call it that. And I thought, you know what, if, if I just ignore what's going on in my body, it'll go away. And so I went out and bought some bigger clothes. I, I tried to cover myself up. You, you know, the one thing I noticed as I got bigger is I bought bulkier and bulkier clothes thinking that was gonna hide what was going on when really it just enhanced it. And... Uh, I thought, man, if I just ignore this, it, like I'll, I'll, my metabolism will kick up, something will happen, I'll start to lose this weight. Another six months went by, I'm about 260, 270. I'm buying size 42 pairs of pants to fit into. I'm having all kinds of health problems. And I remember Shayla going, are you gonna continue to ignore the problems that you're facing? Or are you ready to take some action in them? My question for you today is, is are you gonna continue to ignore the problems that you're facing? Or are you ready to take some action in them? Because when it comes to our finances, here's what Proverbs 22, 7 says. It says, just as the rich rule, rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. We can continue to, to ignore the problem that we have and we can be a slave for the rest of our lives. And listen, I was a slave for years and I surrounded myself with other people who would tell me, oh, just go ahead and ignore the problem. And that's what I found is, is people that are in slavery, they hang out with other slaves who will tell them to do the same exact stupid thing that they're doing. And so I wanna help you today. I wanna help you realize if you're enslaved today to this thing called debt, here are some symptoms that you might have a money problem. If you own a car and you have a car and you owe more than it's worth, you probably got a financial problem. 
If you're transferring credit card balances from credit card to credit card without a plan to pay those balances off, you probably got a financial problem. If you're trying to hide financial things from your spouse and hope they don't ever find out about it, you probably got a financial problem. If you're trying to hide financial things from the government, you already got a problem. If you make, uh, as an individual or as married filing jointly, more than $70,000 a year, and you have financial tension at home and you don't want to talk about it and deal with it, you've got a financial problem. And you can either ignore it or you can deal with it. But listen, if you ignore it, your debt is going to own you for the rest of your life. But when you start to deal with it, you start to take control of it. And I remember in 2002, when God started messing with Shayla and I about our financial situation. He started saying, listen, it, it, you guys have done it your way. It's time that you start to trust me. And it's time that you start to become a mature believer. And I, I've just learned that a mature believer of Christ is not irresponsible when it comes to this area of finances. They become very, very responsible. And, and God started to show us how out of control we were financially. And what he did is he taught to us through scripture. And, and I remember reading this scripture in Proverbs 21.5. It says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And everybody wants the quick fix in life, and we want to take the shortcuts, but the shortcut always leads us to poverty because God is trying to teach you something here. He's trying to teach you to follow him and trust him. And he's saying, listen, you're going to have to do some hard work, which none of us like that word. He's saying, you're going to have to get a plan. And I remember we started getting a plan, and we started working the plan. And a lot of people, this is what happens every, every new year. They make a decision to change. But they never put the discipline to make the decision a reality in their life. It's really easy to make a decision. It's really hard to follow through with the discipline. And God says, man, it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some effort on your part. But here's the deal. You don't have to be, continue to be in chains any longer. And God started dealing with me for our church on this last year. When we are in our Immeasurably More building project series and we're talking about the vision of our church and where we're going and what God wants to do. And I was talking to so many people individually who are saying, man, I, I want to trust God. I want to believe God, but I've got all this debt. I've got all this stuff, this baggage financially in my life. And, and God showed up to me one night and said, TJ, that's not their problem. That's your problem because you haven't been teaching them how to get out of it. I've given them all the answers. They just haven't seen it in my word yet. And so I'll stand before you today and I'll say, man, church, I, I'm gonna do everything within my power to help you out. Because I don't want you to continue to be in debt in 2020 when you could have been out in 2017. I don't want you to continue to live enslaved. And so here's the deal. In every single one of your worship gods is a Get Connected card. If you need some help, you need to figure out how to get out of debt, you need a plan, and you need some discipline, you need some accountability to work that plan, we're here for you. Like, we'll call you, all you gotta do is fill this card out, and at the top of it, put financial. That's all you gotta do. You don't write your name in hieroglyphics. We don't read that. Print it out. 
We'll call you. We'll set up an appointment. We'll help give you a plan. We'll hold you accountable to your plan. And we'll see you break free from the chains that hold you bondage. But here's the deal. I know that pride right now is welling up in some of your hearts and some of your lives. And you're going, man, I don't, man, I don't want to admit that. This is what I learned in recovery. The first step to freedom is admitting you have a problem. And some of you all need to come clean for the first time to God and go, God, I got a problem and I need some help. And you go, I need a sign, God. Well, here's your sign right here. Fill this out. God's given you a way to get out. Will you follow? Will you follow his lead to break you free from these chains? If you want to live like no one else, you got to start to do some things like nobody else is doing. God wants to do some things in your life personally. He wants to do some things in his church. But it starts with you getting free. Let's pray today. God, I just come before you. And I thank you that you're a God that is all about helping us stop the insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And today, God, you're challenging us and you're calling us out to live differently, to step out and trust you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. But it starts with us getting real with you and realizing where you are in our lives. God, and some of us have got some financial problems that we need some freedom in. We need some help in it. Today's the day that we need to come to you and come to your church and see you move. Pastor Steve, would you?